Welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. The following message was previously recorded at the Garden Church in downtown Long Beach, California. Go to Ephesians 4. Let's just jump in and then we're going we're gonna to dive through the text. I'm just going to do a Bible study today followed with ministry time. I really believe the Lord wants to spend some time in prayer with us. Um, we're going to pray for each other. When you read what we're getting into, you'll understand what I mean in just a moment. But Ephesians 4, if you don't have a Bible or some Bibles up here, please, if you don't have one at home, take this. It's our gift to you. Um, also, you can download one on your, your smartphone and the text will be up there. Verse 1 of Ephesians 4. As a prisoner for the Lord then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. So we are beginning part two of a two-part series, and the book of Ephesians is broken up into two parts. Um, Part one, Paul argues for what God has already done. He articulates God's redemptive plan, how that's come into fruition in Christ, and Christ's plan to reconcile all things back to himself. Over and over again for three chapters, it's basically, this is the gospel, this is who you are, this is what God's done. It's, it's uh, rich, it's dense theology, it's full of this is who God is, what he's like, and who you are because of what he's done. And then in this verse, verse 1 of chapter 4, it's the hinge for the second part of his book, where now Paul will talk about the imperative. What are we to do in view of everything God has already done, in view of who he is, in view of what Jesus has done through the cross, in view of his master plan for all things? How are we to live our lives practically? So Paul says, live a life worthy of the calling you've received. And then he's gonna, he's gonna emphasize the role of the church and then he's gonna practically talk through how we ought to live. He's gonna talk about our marriages. He's gonna talk about how we parent. He's gonna talk about drinking, being filled with the spirit. He's gonna talk about gossip and sexuality. He's gonna talk about all sorts of stuff, coarse joking. All of this stuff, the morality of the church comes not as a way to be the church or comes as a way to be a saint. It comes as the result of who we already are. Does that make sense? I can't overemphasize this. This is how the gospel works. This is what God's done. You're already a saint. Remember the first talk we did a few months ago. You are a saint, so now be a saint. Or like I use this illustration so many times, but my wife and I on June 9th, 2007, got married, and I didn't have any clue how to be a husband, but that day I was pronounced husband, and now I do all this activity to learn how to be a husband. So I clean the dishes, I, I love my wife, I date her, I care for her, I steward our, our family, not because I'm trying to earn the, the role or the title husband, but because that's who I am. Does that make sense? So we're in that second section, and I thought I could just do a quick review because this, this particular verse we're going to read, uh, verses 7 through uh, 13 today of Ephesians, is, is framing um, how this plan of God's is going to work itself out. And uh, it, we need to understand what the plan is and what the role of the church is. So a couple of re- review passages, if you would, go to Ephesians chapter 1. I just want to summarize um, kind of what Paul was articulating in the first section. Just a few verses. Verse 9 of chapter 1 says this, this is about God. He made known known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. So this is a long run on sentence, but just a, a short snippet 
And it summarizes the work of Jesus Christ. Paul, in this beautiful, long, it's, it's more verses than what we read, articulates God's great plan. So what is God's big and beautiful plan? Well, his big and beautiful redemptive plan is to reconcile, renew, bring to unity all things in heaven and on earth to Christ. He's trying to redeem everything that's been broken since the fall under Christ. And the word he uses is the unity of all things, which is this summary. It's this mathematical equation to summarize everything. But the concept is God, his master plan is to renew, reconcile, restore, and redeem everything. Not just people, but it's people and planets. It's the cosmos. His redemptive plan includes your heart and soul and and the cosmos together. All things in heaven and earth, everything that's been created gets put back into its proper place the way it was designed to function in the first place. Does that make sense? This is a beautiful plan. All things includes all things. So your emotions and your past is part of that plan. Your relationships And the United States of America is part of God's plan to redeem all things so it all works together. Governments and everything in it. Are you with me? So this is his plan and and he reveals that to us. This is God's redemptive plan to mend and restore and renew cities and nations and people and and everything else in between. And so, um, but then he continues in Ephesians chapter one. So that's a massive plan. Then, Then he says this, verse 22, um, God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Okay, I want to read that passage in the message. So just stay with me because God has this redemptive plan in Christ to restore and reconcile the cosmos. How is he going to do that? Listen to, it's in this passage, but let's read it from a a paraphrased version of this text. It's Eugene Peterson's The Message. Same verses, he says this. All this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from the dead and set him on a throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe. Everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from his rule. And now, not just for the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all has the final word on everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. That's the oh crud factor right there, okay? What Paul is saying is God's redemptive plan to reconcile the cosmos is going to happen through us. Please hear this. This is so important. Paul is talking about the local church and the universal church. That somehow the garden is to live, breathe, and act, and behave, and speak on behalf of Jesus. That what we are doing here is part of God's redemptive plan to renew all things. What we do matters. Are you with me? So just to summarize this before we jump into this text, I I just realized if if we just skim over some of these verses, we just kind of focus all of the attention of the church's work on your needs 
and your desires rather than what's God's desire? What's God's dream? And do we align our lives to his dream or are we the most important person in the world to him? Yes, he gave his life for us individually, but his, his love is for the cosmos and this earth to be restored and renewed. And that happens when our lives are restored and renewed, but we become a part of his solution to the problem that he's trying to fix. Are you with me? Am I, am, is, are we preaching this morning? I think we are. So just to summarize, number one, God has a plan. And this is good news. <laughs> I mean, I'm reading the, 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 what's going on in the world and some of you are probably reading the same things. And it's crazy right now. It's just absolutely nuts. And it may not feel like it. It may not seem like it. But God is involved. And he is working out his big and beautiful redemptive plan. And it means all things will be healed. We can trust that he is doing this. He's got a plan. Number two I want to I just emphasize is that the church is not plan B. Church is the primary vehicle for God's big and beautiful redemptive plan being realized and accomplished. The church, local church, is God's primary vehicle for renewing the cosmos. How are we doing? And point number three, we are church. <laughs> you and I, all of us together, are are the church. There's not something, it's not a website, it's not the building, it's not the institution, it's not Billy Graham or these famous Christians. It's you and I. Where you are with your marriage, with your relationship or your singleness or your, your job history, your past, you are part, where you are, part of the redemptive plan of God renewing the cosmos. Amen. We are church. The church is God's primary vehicle to complete his master plan of renewing all things. This is why Paul now goes into this text where he says, guys, in view of this, live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Do you see what he's saying now? It's for the sake of the world. Get your lives together. Be patient and humble with each other. Submit to one another. Love each other in the church because you're the first fruits of what is to come. And if we can't get it through the power of the Spirit, if we can't lay down our preferences, if we can't humble ourselves and serve each other, how on earth are pagans going to get it? How are they going to, they don't even have God with them. We have God with us. How are they going to get it if we don't get it? And so this is why Bill's message, it kind of emphasizes the unity. Last week, Paul just goes off. Look, there's one body. Be patient. One spirit. And then Paul gets into this strategic element. How is the church going to become this vehicle of restoration? How does that happen? And, and this is where we get to what we're going to talk about today. And we'll just spend a few minutes talking through this, and then we'll land with ministry. So it's Ephesians 4. Verse seven, and in this passage, it's kind of a strategy that Bill, uh, Bill that P P the Apostle Paul. <laughs> Gosh, I'm gonna come back to Bill in a second, but, um, and it will make sense when I do, but let's read this, verse seven. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Remember, the word grace is gift. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. And then in parentheses, it's Paul working through his theology. He says, what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens 
in order to fill the whole universe. So this is a quick theological thing. We don't know, there's all sorts of debate around this, but essentially what Paul is doing here is he's saying, look, Christ is the victorious king that was promised in the Psalms. So he's connecting it to the Old Testament. And he ascended. And what does it mean for him to ascend? It meant that he took on death. He defeated the enemies and the powers that were corrupting the world. Death was the last straw. Sin on the cross, death. He takes on death and he's raised from the dead. And he he seats He's seated above all the heavens. So all the spiritual realms and powers and authorities, rulers. So Paul's using this very specific language, which we'll get back to when we talk about spiritual warfare. And he says, now Paul, uh, Jesus is ahead, ahead of all of those things and now he's filling the earth with gifts. So that's what he's saying. He's like, Christ is a king. And just like a Caesar would in the first century. A Caesar would come into power and he would give gifts to nations, to governors and to generals. He would give them, he would give generals land. And this is kind of the image that we have. It's a, it's a very, it's what a king would do when they came into power. He'd give his, uh, his cabinet roles and responsibilities as well as gifts for leadership over the kingdom. So that's what's going on. Now, this is where we focus our time. How do we become a vehicle of restoration to the ends of the earth? Well, Paul says, Christ, verse 11, himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip people or saints for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Okay, now stay with me. This is a Bible study. It's a little more dense than normal. And I'm doing this on purpose because I'm realizing how often we build our church on podcasts and worship and programs. And Jesus wants to build his church on gifts of people and release them for everyone. And this is a huge shift for our church to re- if we really buy into this. So Christ gives gifts. So a couple of thoughts real f- before I dive into each of them. Number one, all of these gifts, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are um, first Jesus's ministry. Do we have this up? So all of these gifts are first Jesus's ministry, meaning that he was the first apostle. He was the sent one by God. He was a prophet, meaning he was, and we'll talk about this, he was hearing God and obeying. He was an evangelist communicating this message to the lost. He was the good shepherd comforting and nurturing the community that he brought around him. And he was the teacher. And so Jesus was all of these things. Point number two, Jesus is the one who gives gifts to his church. Gifts are given, okay? They're not achieved after. They're given by Jesus, Number, and they're his gifts. That's the emphasis. Number three, gifts, I love this one, are given to be given away. Now, it's not just leadership gifting. It's all gifts in life are given to be given away. One of the things I want us to understand in the economy of the kingdom is the more you've been given, the more you give. The more, it's better to give than to receive. These are the words of the scripture. How come we live our lives in a posture of constantly wanting being the ones to receive or to hoard? or save for, for the, the 65 years that we can so that we can li- li- live the last 15 in, in retirement, rather than recognizing everything we have access to now, talents, resources, relationships, past experience, knowledge, money, houses, cars, all of those gifts should have a return of investment that lasts for eternity. Wow, it got quiet. 
gifts, even spiritual gifts, like healing and speaking in tongues and prophecy, they're not for you. They're for the people you give them to. The, if you have a prophetic word, the point isn't, look at me, I've got a prophetic word. It's to bless your brother who needs the encouragement, who needs the comfort, who needs to be built up. That's what the gifts are for. It has nothing to do with you hoarding gifts. They're his gifts. It's his ministry. He gives them to you to give them away as fast as you can. What do you have? Do a quick audit in your head. And we'll just say your whole entire life is a gift. Every relationship you, you've had, every person you have knowledge, every, every class you took, every book you've read, all the money you've, you have or have access to, the work you have access to, the, the talent you have, the cars, the homes. The, do you have two refrigerators? Do you have two bikes? Do you have a skateboard? Do you have a couple of computers? And I, What do you have? Do an audit and think, God's given that to you. He expects an internal return of investment. Okay, let's, that's just a side note. That's not even in the notes. Okay, so um, <laughs> point number four, Jesus gives away his ministry. I love this. Jesus gives away his ministry, so his ministry will continue. It's his ministry, and he gives it away. And the gifts that he says um, are uh, people, uh, let me just do this. So the, he gives away his, his ministry. I, I, I and just don't hear me the wrong way. This isn't coming from a place of frustration, but a place of theological correctness. You don't have a ministry. It's all of his ministry. So if you think I have a ministry that I have to do, you're already off theologically. Jesus has a ministry. He wants to partner you, with you in, and he wants you to give it away, not to think about the best possible way you can brand, build, organize your calling in life. That has nothing to do with his church. Okay, is that, is that good? Are we good? Okay, no one's gonna leave on that, although you might, that's fine. See you later. Um, so here are the, so there, I'm doing some, I'm doing some digging right now. Here we go. Uh, these are the five or fourfold gifts. I, I just want you to have an explanation. So the church is designed to be built on the apostles. So apostles means sent ones. They're not just the disciples of Jesus. These gifts are for today. There are modern day apostles and apostolic leaders. And um, they, it means sent one, one who has authority to represent the one who sent them. Uh, it's like an ambassador that represents another country in a foreign place. That's what uh, the apostle is designed to be. It's very much a pioneering function in the church. Uh, they have the capacity to extend Christianity as a healthy, integrative, innovative, reproducing movement that's expanding into new cultures. Specifically, apostolics, uh, apostolic leaders are usually church planters as well today. Carlos is an example of an apostolic leader. Um, we see that he's pioneering new ministries. Now, um, that there are actually probably a, a few apostolic, maybe a handful of apostles in this room. And I believe God is, is putting it on some of our hearts to step into that calling. And our job as the church is to recognize the gifts that are leaders in our church in the apostolic, prophetic, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, and to bless them. Acts 13, Paul goes into Antioch as a teacher and a prophet. In the worship gathering, it there's a word that says, set apart for me Paul and Barnabas for the apostolic ministry to the Gentiles. They bless it, and then Paul becomes an apostle by the local community. Are you with me? Okay, so we, as a church, has to, have to recognize these gifts. In 2008, 
I was in a Rock Harbor uh, gathering, and it was January 6, 2008. Don Williams, who is a good friend and mentor, goes to the garden, was preaching this text. And he, at the end, which I'm going to do the same, he had every person, if someone here is God's calling you to church planning, apostolic ministry, and then prophets and evangelists, he had them stand. And we'll go through that later this, e- this afternoon, or this, this morning. Uh, hopefully not this afternoon. I'll get too hungry. I can't do that. Um, but I remember standing up for that call, and that was a sign. It was just the moment I remember God just speaking that apostolic church planning kind of confirmation over my life. It's funny. I was talking to John about this yesterday. John was in that same service. We didn't know each other at the time, I think, and he stood up um, for a pastoral calling, and now John is on staff. Nobody thought he would be on staff. He's been on staff for less than two years. He left his job working at Cal State Long Beach to be a part of this team and be a pastor. And just funny that that's, there's a supernatural element of divine gifting. And so uh, that's the ap- apostle, the prophet. This is the functioning task of maintaining abide- abiding loyalty and faithfulness to God above all else. They're concerned with justice, living authentic life for God in holiness and righteousness. They call out passionately for the, the covenanted people to be covenant to stay in covenant with God they're focused on hearing God's voice and being a community that is close to his presence do you know people in your community groups that are like this are you beginning to see that there are apostolic gifts in our community where they're the entrepreneurs they're constantly thinking about expanding moving the mission forward the prophets are constantly wondering are we doing what Jesus is saying are we in his presence are we living out what he wants us to live and then there's the evangelist They have a deep burden to win the lost. I believe this one in particular, God's gonna release today more than anything else. I believe God wants to release evangelists, people that have hearts that break for the outsider, for people that don't know the love of God, are living outside the life of the kingdom. They're storytellers, they're recruiters, they're infectious people that spread God's message to the world. And they're constantly bringing in new people into our church. That's what the evangelist does. You have friends that you see already have this type of personality, and some of that is personality, some of you will be anointed by the Spirit to do this for the garden, to carry an evangelistic ministry for the garden, through Alpha, through your community group, through your relationships. Are you, am I talking to our, are we good? I really wanna get through this message because I, I think what's next is, is just the response. And then, and then the pastor teacher, I put these together because in Greek, they're together. And I think culture would love to separate the pastor and teacher. We've built churches around those two gifts around the United States. And I think that's part of the problem uh, with the demise of Christianity in the nation is we're not building it on apostles and prophets and evangelists, shepherds and teachers. We're building it on pastors and teachers, specifically really, really smart teachers. So we talk about, hey guys, we're gonna teach each other how to follow Jesus. And our first objection is I haven't been to seminary. I'm not trained, I don't know. But that's never been the goal of the movement of Christianity. It should be you've been trained by somebody who's discipled you and now you take this and teach other people with what you've already learned. It's not about becoming an expert and spouting off Greek and Hebrew words. It's about learning to teach through your life. It's about learning to read the scripture regularly. So teachers are passionate about getting the truth of God, um, ruminating in the community, understanding the truth, and, and speaking that through their life. Shepherds are responsible for maintaining a develop, and developing healthy community and enriching relationships so that this is a loving community that's a redeemed family. So these are the gifts of leadership that God, Christ, gives the church so that these gifts will equip the church, the purpose to equip the saints for the ministry we're all called into. So I I just, real quick, 
Bob, uh, Bob um, Bill, one of these Bills, Bob's right here, I was looking at you, Bob. Um, Bill is an Ephesians 4 pastor teacher. Anyone that knows Bill knows that he, his gifting is different than my gifting as a leader. I'm more apostolic and prophetic, and I will always lead towards mission. I will always push us towards being obedient to God's voice and being in his presence and leading towards expanding this thing. And then Bill's on this other spectrum of just, he wants to walk with our community towards wholeness in life. That's an incredible gift we have as a church, that we have two primary teaching voices that come from a different angle. And that's, that has put Bill and I at opposition at times. But, and if you've been in those meetings, you know what it feels like. But it, it, it only works because we love each other and we love what God is doing and we can do this together in submission to one another for the purpose of the mission. But all of these gifts needs to be, need to be functioning in our church. And it's not just paid staff members. God wants to give you gifts and see yourself in that role. Now, if you are gifted as a leader, because we have a hundred and something leaders that are leading community groups, alpha, worship community, all sorts of things. That role of leader in the church, staff members, elders, pastors, the role of, of, of these leadership gifts are to equip the saints, equip the body for the ministry that God's prepared for you. So apostles equip other apostles, but also the community to be apostolic. Prophets equip other apostles, but also the community to be prophetic. Same with evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Does that make sense? So the, in the word, I got an illustration. You're welcome. Um, hey, what are you doing back here? <laughs> you scared me. Okay, so this is, this is the image. All right, so the word equip, and don't leave. Okay, some of you got to go. Go leave. Get, I'll see you later. Okay, don't leave because... You know, we start at 11, 15, 9.15. We're going to stay a little bit longer, okay? And the kids' ministry knows this. We're going we're gonna to do ministry together, but I need to teach this text. So uh, church is, is an hour and 30 minutes. Can we just be, can we be in it and not be on our phones, not anxious to leave? Can we do that? Okay. Some of you have to use the restroom. I, I bless you to do that. Um, this is the image. Hey, Chad, come up here and stand right here. Stand on this. Okay. Um, all right, let's see here. Hey, no, don't, I see you going for the power tool. Bob, you come up here. Will you just hold this? this it's not, there's no battery um, uh, in that, but I'm gonna, get, I'm gonna get this. Okay, let's pass out these. This is the image. The leaders of the church, babe, would you come and grab this hammer? Just stand up here. I know you hate standing in public. It's cool. Um, John, you, you carried this one. I told you I was gonna give this. All right, hey, why don't you come up here and you take that power tool. Look at that. Carlos, come on, you're gonna get the drill. There we go. Okay, and Paul, come up with another hammer. Come on, Paul. Okay, come up. This is the, this is the image. The leaders of the, of the church are here. You're gonna hold on to this one, okay? Just um, hold that right. Where's the battery in this one? It came out. This one needs the battery. Okay, there you go. All right, you come up and stand there, and then I'm gonna hand you this. This is the image, guys. This is the image. So a leader is passing out tools. That's the image for equip. Apostles, prophets, evangelists are equipping, are passing out tools to the church so that they can do ministry. Now, I want you to think the leaders of the church were given this vision for Long Beach. And the vision we have with our leaders, our elders, our pastors, the apostolic leaders, is of a craftsman house in Long Beach. Because this is what God has called us to locally build here. Our role as leaders is to pass out gifts or not to pass out gifts, that's Jesus, to give, to equip Chad and Alex with various tools 
so that we can build together the craftsman house. And here's where the problem comes in. All of a sudden, Paul's here, and he thinks, well, everyone should have a hammer. So he gets frustrated that he's the only guy, or there's only two people with a hammer. So he's emailing people saying, everyone needs to have a hammer. And all of a sudden, uh, for Paul, everyone looks like a nail. So he starts hitting everyone with the hammer. Or the other problem is, um, Bob's here. He's, uh, he's one of our, he's on staff. He's been a part of the church for a while, and he's one of our mentors and led the Vineyard Movement, is one of the founders of the Vineyard Movement. Um, and and let's say this is not Bob, because actually Bob loves our vision, but let's say Bob's like, you know what? I've been a part of the church forever. I have this picture of a Spanish-style house, and it's got lots of bedrooms. It's not a craftsman home, so I'm gonna, he starts, so he starts building this Spanish-style house, and that's one way it goes south, or, or we have, what's your name again? We have Josh here. Just kidding, I know you're Josh. And Josh is frustrated because Josh only has music and he's got this thing and he's like jealous because he doesn't have this power saw. And so he's frustrated that he doesn't have the power saw. But then, but, but he doesn't realize that when we're working together, we need some music, you know what I'm saying? Um, so all to say, this is the picture I want everyone to see that what we do together as a church Every single one of you that says yes to being a part of the garden has to build with us. This is not some of us. If you're here for three years, in three years, you better be a leader of the garden helping others be equipped with what you know. Um, You guys can put those tools down. I just wanted you to see the diversity even here um, with the tools because that's a beautiful image. Our role, thank you, babe. You were beautiful up there. So beautiful. Five more weeks until that baby comes. You're killing it. Um, So there it is. You with me? This is the image. We're all ministers, and we're all called to build uh, this community together And because that's part of God's redemptive plan. So you're a saint, and it says that you're... um, the, the Lord's people are built for ministry. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, you are a minister. You're called into full-time ministry, period. Sometimes you'll get paid by a church. Most of the time you won't get paid by a church. Your ministry is in the local church and in the places God has placed you in your neighborhood, in your, in your family, in your job, in the places you go because you are a minister. In other words, the church doesn't exist to minister to you. You exist to minister with the church to the world. This is so huge for us and we have to get it. So if we say yes to this, then we say yes to more leadership gifts in our church being given by God. We become fully um, experienced and mature in Christ and as we mature in Christ, we continue Jesus' mission in the world and God's dream of renewing the cosmos is fulfilled and the church becomes the center of the universe because it's Christ's body in the world. Are you guys with me? So, let me just end, then we're gonna, we're gonna minister to each other. So I just, you have two things I wanted to leave with you. First, we're gonna, we're gonna call for um, a response for the leadership giftings of the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. I would love to release those today, that God would divinely give gifts to people here to lead the church into the next season. We are in a new season of, of, of church, and we have a vision coming in the fall that you're gonna, it's so exciting, but we need you to be divinely anointed by the Spirit and participate in this. The second, you all have a, I wanted this as a response. I put a business card on your seat, or I had our team do this, and uh, this is what it says. It's, it's the Garden website information 
but it's a business card for you. It says, I am blank, and I want you to fill in your name. And if you can't read it, I'll read it to you because it's quite small. It says, I am a minister of reconciliation, a disciple maker, an ambassador of Christ, witness of the resurrection of Jesus, saint, child of God, work of art. And from now on, if you say yes to the garden, you're a staff member at the garden. We're releasing you as our ministry team. I want you to have this wherever you go if you say yes to the garden because you're on our staff. We're not putting this on for you. We're coming together for the sake of the world. All right, amen? All right. Thank you for listening to the Garden Church Podcast. For more information about the Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org.